Today on the show, Anya Marina and I talk the effects of fame, having her music on the Twilight soundtrack, and the perils that come with it, our mutual love for John Hamm, and so much more on episode 82 of Who Writes This Stuff. Hello and welcome to Who Writes This Stuff. I'm your host, Nick Flora, coming to you from my house in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for listening to a thing. Uh, Anya Marina is on the show this week, as you probably deduced by clicking her name to begin this episode. Um, she was wonderful. Uh, she's a New York-based uh, singer-songwriter, artist, person. Uh, that's her official title, I think. Uh, but more on her in a second, because I'd like to start off this episode before I get any further. We're sharing with you... What I learned this week. What I learned this week. What you learn. What I learned this week is that there's a thing called decision fatigue. And I will read directly from Wikipedia, which is the source where all truth comes from. Uh, decision fatigue. Uh, in decision making and psychology, decision fatigue refers to a deteriorating quality of decisions made by an individual after a long session of decision making. Uh, so like President Obama or Steve Jobs are two examples that I was given when I was talked about this. Uh, these guys make so many decisions all day, every day. Uh, well, Steve Jobs doesn't really anymore, but he did for a long time. And so even the slightest decision, something like, um, hmm, you know, what they're going to eat today or what they're going to wear would be made for them. Uh, that's why Steve Jobs would wear the same outfit all the time. Or like Mark Zuckerberg would always wear a hoodie. Um, President Obama has people pick out clothes for him and decide what he's going to eat during the day and stuff because just the smallest little thing could tip them into insanity or something like that. But I thought that was so interesting and um, makes me a little bit sad for how much I made fun of Steve Jobs for wearing a turtleneck every day. Um, but no, I just thought that was sort of interesting. Decision fatigue, something that I do not have to deal with. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, but maybe one day, hopefully, you know, maybe one day. And that's what I learned this week. What I learned this week. What you learn. If you'd like to write in and share with me what you learned this week, uh, you can do so by emailing who writes this stuff podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at who writes pod uh, or write on the Facebook page and I'll read it here on this very show. So I would love to, you know, learn more things. So, uh, you know, write in. Let's start a dialogue. Don't make me feel like this is a thing that I just talk into a microphone that isn't plugged in, um, like some kind of sad person, or like I did when I was 13, um, pretending to have a radio show. Uh, okay, so Anya Marina, for those of you who aren't aware of her, Anya, uh, she's a New York City-based musician, uh, podcaster, all-around lovely human, uh, who's had music featured on the Twilight New Moon soundtrack and Gossip Girl, and she's toured with artists like Jason Mraz and Juliana Hatfield and Rhett Miller. Uh, she also has her own podcast called We Know Nothing uh, with comedians Phil Hanley and Sam Morrill. Uh, they talk about relationships and often give their unqualified advice to listeners who call in. It's very entertaining. Uh, it's a podcast that has kept me entertained for hours on the road, for sure. Um, and Anya is actually currently working on her fourth album entitled Paper Plane, um, in which, as of the recording of this episode, has 25 left to pledge in a pledge music campaign uh in just over two weeks so let's pledge and help anya make more music uh as a person who had just got done uh asking you and and talking a lot about uh their own sort of crowdsourcing campaign um i think you guys understand just uh how instrumental the audience is to helping us make more of this stuff we're in a really exciting age but also kind of a terrifying one as anya and i discuss in this episode where we we don't know if we'll be able to do this much longer if if something doesn't change and so uh yeah so let's help her make more music there's a you can go to anyamarina.com which links to it um but we talk about more in the episode so before i turn you off by plugging a bunch of stuff um all in all this was a great chat and uh, Anya is not just a talented musician, but just a lovely and hilarious human. And uh, so I'm going to let you witness that right now. Here's my talk with Anya Marina. So this is just know. your travel night. Yeah, just now. I used to do it all the time. Like I did like 40 something episodes with this and then I was like, I should, if I'm going to take this seriously, yeah. <laughs> kind of want it to sound like a real show. 
you know, uh-huh. an, an interview show. And then, so I, I did a little GoFundMe fundraiser thing and all my fans oh, cool. like chipped in and basically bought me new gear. It was really great. It was really like And the shores, testing do the, they hang upside down? Yeah, the, those, that cool like yeah. arm mic that you can pull in close and you know, whatever. It feels so cool. And you so have cool. a studio at home. I just have like my home. I do it from my home. And so I just have like, it's set up like in my writing space That's so awesome. at all times. So if anybody... Like, I've had friends come over, and I'm like, they'll start be telling me a story, and I'm like, actually, tell it on Mike. Let's do, you know. It's yeah. a little bit, I think, that's the sort of culture we live in. Yeah. In a way now where it's like, uh, use everything as content. But, you know, you when you get around creative people, they start telling stories, or they start saying, things. I'm like, this is so great. I want so many people to hear this. Yeah. And if you start, if you somebody tells you a cool story, and then you want to tell it to, like, all your friends, you know, dozens of times, you're going to screw it up or get details wrong or, you know put in the wrong adverb. I don't know things. Um, yeah. But uh, there is like a element of, you know, being obsessed now a little bit with like, I, I mean, I think it's a little bit the same with the comedy community. Like you're just sort of, you use it as a excuse to hang out. Right. <laughs> Almost, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like come yeah. over and podcast and then, because yeah. we end up hanging out, you know, and a lot of my, a lot of people that come over, we end up hanging out for like an hour before. Yeah. And then like I mean, we'll what? go to lunch after. So. That's so cool, and you meet fun people this way. When yeah. Look at my thing. I have to leave at. Well, I have an, at least an hour. Okay, so that's cool. cool. That's all we need. Great. Um, no, thank you for for doing this. This is. Thanks for having me, man. This is yeah, really absolutely. Cool. I it's this is so strange. I want to ask you this off the bat because okay. so you're relatively new to podcasting. Uh huh. Um, I had to think about it, which is second. fascinating to me. Because I know your roommate, Nikki, mm-hmm. uh, she came on the podcast actually fairly early on in the run. And then, long story, I came to, like, she invited me to the show and we hung out at the show. We have a couple of stories, actually. Um, I don't know if she remember, she clearly remembers because I will text her from time to time. But we hung out with Polly Shore. Oh, really? <laughs> in Nashville. And it was like hanging out with like a 200 pound toddler. Um, and it was amazing. So, and then, like, I came to New York and played some shows, and she came and was really nice. Oh, that's um, so cool. But anyway, so... She had very favorable things to say about you. She's she's awesome, as you know. But, uh, <laughs> no, but... And then you sort of took over her hosting spot. Yeah, she just, she just dumped it on me like right? a child she didn't she want. Start, <laughs> she did. You know how people She was like, why that. don't you just come on as a guest, and then all of a sudden you're on, like, every week. Um, we had so much fun. I, I love doing it with her. I love doing it with uh, Sam Morell and Phil Hanley a lot. They're great. Um... And there's nothing like doing a podcast with your best friend. It's just so much fun. And yeah. she, it's a completely different vibe. But I think it's fun to listen to the old ones. And, and we're having fun now forging new ground with the guys. But yeah. um, I miss her for sure a lot yeah. at the time. There's just nothing like, you know, when you live with somebody, you can finish each other's sentences. And, mm-hmm. and so when you do a podcast together, it really captures that weird special relationship. Yeah. It's so rare. Like I can't. For a while, I tried to search for a replacement, and there's just no replacing someone like that. I know. No, and you can tell. Like, when you hear it, it's so fun. I think that's part of the fun of listening to that is getting to sort of be the fly on the wall. And and not only just because you're friends, but also just because you, you're you both artists in your own way, and so you communicate really well yeah. in, in general. And I love listening. I think why comedians are so good at their jobs and so good on podcasts is because they can communicate truth so well, even in just talking about things. Um, but you took, you took over this sort of, you took it over, but I was going to think I was going to ask you, uh, four minutes ago when I started this question, uh, uh-huh. was <laughs> you, you've divulged a lot of information on this podcast. Yep. And I'm sort of witnessing this a little bit too, cause I'll go fans of this podcast will come out to the show shows and stuff. And it's so great. And then you have references to things that I don't remember. Right. You black but, out after you do a podcast. Right. right? It's just but totally you have is. a really serious drinking problem, which is why you black out. I do. I, I drink so much. It's no, I have no I idea about this. you. Oh, no, it's great. Let's just guess things about each other. Uh, Remember that time you fought in Vietnam? That I mean, you really gave your life for this country. Well, the 90s were crazy, and we just saw... Uh, Nick? Well, bad news 18, for you. I don't know. Uh, no, but I, I'm curious because I have a little bit of it, but I don't like go into too much personal detail on this show. It, it's pretty much just what happens when musicians hang out, but... Is it sort of, do you have these 3 a.m. and wake up freak out moments oh, where you're just yeah. like, what did I say? Absolutely. Or, I mean, you know, people coming up to you and saying things that you divulge and you're like, that's personal. Okay. That's not yeah, involving you. Yeah, do you experience you. that a lot? A little bit. And, but like I said, like you guys divulge way more 
personal stories because you talk about a lot of relationships and a lot of stuff and history and I feel like even even I asked Nikki that for a while because they were she was even like trying to dig up even more dirt like what haven't I talked about yet like when her and Sarah did their podcast yeah yeah so I was just curious if there's a little bit of a I think when line. I first started broadcasting I was in college and doing college radio and then I embarked on like a radio career but it was more in alternative music so mm -hmm. I was like a DJ so in that form you don't have that kind of I don't even want to say luxury but it's just not that kind of forum to talk mm. about personal stuff but where I came from was college radio so there was much more freedom and nobody listening so I totally enjoyed <laughs> you know quote-unquote finding my voice in that yeah. way and when I was 21 doing college radio I was you know talking about the whatever was going on with me then which was like dating and like my dog died and it was just I mean probably horrible radio but you know I have all those tapes saved and oh and do you I, yeah they're somewhere in my basement oh in my Portland gosh. but um yeah and then it's just it was sort of fun and it was the age of Howard Stern when he was on terrestrial radio so I feel like he really laid the groundwork for mm. confessional radio if you want to call it that totally um, and then, yeah, with Nikki, it's just so easy because she has almost no filter and um, or her, um, a sense of propriety. I yeah. feel like I'm more of the roll of the stick in the mud if there's going to be one of those when we're talking. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, there were a couple episodes for sure where I regretted stuff and I was like, why did I leave that on there? But I don't know. There's something where I got trained early on in radio to... Like, if you say it, you own it. There's mm -hmm. no going back and editing it. Yeah, There's no true. erasing it. So, and I argue a lot with Phil and Sam uh, on the show because they do this thing constantly where they're, like, throwing someone under the bus and yeah. then I'll get an email or a text from them later filled with regret and they want me to edit it out. And now we're, it's, like, we're on a three-camera podcast. Yeah, isn't it, like, is it streamed live or is it... It's not live, it, okay. but it is recorded that way and then they upload it later. Okay. And if you have to edit audio and video, it's impossible. And we're not making a lot of money. It's not like we're yeah. the Stern show. So it's, you know, they're, when you ask editors, like, do you mind editing out this person's name? They're just like, no. <laughs> like You can always press, like, a bleep button or something. I, I know, I've heard podcasts. There's no that, bleep but. button. I mean, if okay, never mind. we can certainly, I think on one we just did, we have to edit out somebody's name because Sam, um, I don't know, he mentioned someone's name and he didn't want to throw him under the bus. <laughs> but I am, I'm pretty strict with myself. If I tell a story or share anything, my you rule is own I own it. So I don't divulge so much anymore. There's not that much to divulge. I mean, my personal life is a barren wasteland. Mm. So... <laughs> So I don't agree though. I've I mean, you, said it all. It is crazy because I was thinking about that before you came over. I was just like, oh yeah, I know a lot about you. Yeah. Um, just from listening to that podcast and you making appearances on others, and um, so I was like, this must be really strange. Because I mean, I have a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I don't even know I, what you know. When I show up to show, well, anything you've said on the podcast, I've listened <laughs> from the beginning. Because uh, I was really sad when when Nikki and Sarah's show ended and their podcast ended. So I was, um, I feel like like. Nikki's from St. Louis and I, grew, I was born there. We just had, I feel like there's like a, there's something there as uh -huh. far as like, we have a lot of the same references for restaurants. That's what it is. Um, you people from so. St. Louis all have this really strong bond. John Hamm was backstage at oh. her at midnight performance a few months ago, just happened to be there. And, um, oh, did he, made, did he make an appearance or is this another one? That's right. He made an appearance. Yeah. That, that's why he was there. And it was a surprise. Mm -hmm. And um, she heard he was in the building, told the producer... And Tell then John he's, that I'm in. She was <laughs> just like, I would love to meet him. We're both from St. Louis. And and um, he surprised her and walked in the room and was like, I hear somebody from St. Louis is here. No way. And um, yeah, she subsequently fainted. It was yeah. a great little exchange they had. I was sitting there talking while Wait, he you was, were there? Yeah, I was in the green room. Tell me more about John Hamm. He just had just so much. Going he on. was so nice. <laughs> and um, he had a lot to say about St. Louis. And they both. He's just, like the mayor. Like, he loves St. Louis. I mean, if you were John Hamm, wouldn't you be the <laughs> I mean, he's, there, is, there is only certain luxuries reserved for, like, baseball players mm -hmm. that he gets in St. Louis. He's, it's like, throwing crazy. out the first pitch, too. Yeah, and he just shows up and he gets everything. He shows up to restaurants and people are, like, give him free stuff. And I mean, he's on, like, a second-tier cable show. I mean, it's an amazing show, groundbreaking, surely. I mean, Mad Men. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, a second-tier cable show? Well, you know, it's on, like, I mean, I have cable, but I don't have AMC, you know? like you know, So I get to buy that second-tier. But, no, it's it's interesting. He's not, like, 
you know, on he's not like I don't think any everybody knows who he is, but everybody in St. Louis knows who he is. It's crazy. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, we live on. I, I feel like people on the coast have a distorted sense of reality. To me, he's just like a massive movie star. Everybody knows him, but maybe you're right. Maybe not. Everybody. What's the movie that he's been in though? Um, 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 not Bridesmaids. What's the one? He with? wasn't Bridesmaids. Oh, yeah, was he? Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Never mind. Okay, you won. Uh, he's John Hamm. He's great. He is, he's just John Hamm. It just needs to be. I talked to him once years ago, but and somehow we got into a conversation about Wilco, and all I remember is that he kept making a point about which Wilco album was the best one, and he was like, um, like, uh, not slapping, but like, like kind of like hammering the point home but he was like kind of touching my knee and his girlfriend was right with course, him he was holding her hand he was he's, he's such a great man you know yeah but I was like I will not recall anything he says except <laughs> this moment yeah this his hand is touching my knee and I'm freaking out yeah This is interesting. Talking about that, do you think that there is a correlation between because John Hamm, let's say uh, he's probably like thirty-seven when Mad Men hit. So do you think there's a correlation between how long you slug it out, and you know, and you you like in the business in any way, shape, or form, like you know, the starving artist sort of syndrome, I guess, and really struggle and really to get known and you know, and keep getting rejected, keep getting rejected for years and years and years, and then when you finally hit something, do you think that there's a correlation between that? And how you deal with fame, or do you think that if you're gonna be a douchebag, you're gonna be a douchebag either way? You know what I mean? I, if John Hamm's just a giant douchebag seen... right now, would we be like, well, he was always, but he seems so genuine and nice because he had years of just not. Yeah, being so humble. No. I think you're right. I think if you, I've seen people get handed things early on, and those people tend to not have a frame of reference for how how skilled or talented they really are that if because if you get a record deal or a huge sum of money or a ton mm-hmm. of success or a tv show or whatever when you're like 19 you really in that your 19 year old brain i think believe yeah i'm owed this i'm special i'm above the rest i don't know that's what i, I think so too yeah. well i mean but the obvious example is to point at like mm-hmm. justin bieber or something but i even know people who aren't like hugely successful in that realm like pop stars or anything but like friends of mine that like got a little bit of success or got like an opening spot on a tour and just immediately went to their head yeah you know and it's sort of and then they get humbled later when it all goes away yeah i have friends that have this theory um you know dave barnes at all you're familiar with him at all no um it's a different it's music is such a small world but it's also very specific to regions and stuff. So I always wondered, like, I wonder how far is this bled over? So, but um, he he's been on the show a couple of times, and he's a he's a songwriter, a performer. But he he has this theory that like the faster the climb, the like faster the fall, as mm-hmm. far as like that kind of stuff goes. And I mean, you've had like spikes in your career where like stuff just took off, you yeah. know, like that Ti cover or just stuff where you're like, whoa, I did not expect this to go somewhere or whatever. But um, so I was just I, that stuff fascinates me because there's no way to see it coming or anything but it, it, like if that happened when you were like straight out of like third show let's uh, yeah, say yeah no thank god it didn't and i remember being a struggling singer songwriter in san diego and seeing some of my friends or peers get record deals and they were really young and, and i remember being really you know experiencing envy for the first time mm. in such a palpable acute way it was so uncomfortable and um 
it it was a gift in a sense because it drove me to try harder and it gave me some insight as to what I really wanted. Like whenever somebody f- says that they're jealous or envious, I'm always like, that's great because now you know what you want. Yeah. And I, maybe I'm just a more ambivalent person, but I tend to be kind of like, I don't know what I want to do. Like I could, I'm, a, I'm okay here. <laughs> and um, I was working on the radio in San Diego as a DJ and I was doing the singer songwriter thing part time. Just like kicking my, you know, like kicking the dirt. Like, why am I not on tour? Why am I not playing sold out shows? And I went through this period like that. And then I was like, because you're a full time DJ. Like, why don't, why are you pissed off at the world if you are devoting 40 hours a week to your full time radio gig? Like, it's not a bad life, but if you don't want to be doing it, do something else. Yeah. And I, you know, that's when I started to really make the moves toward making a record, making it sound great, going on tour on my vacation time off. You mm-hmm. know, I only had two or three weeks off a year, and I would tour every, day, you know, every one of those days. And, really? Yeah, and it was, and and I started wondering, would this life be okay with me? And as it turned out, yes, I wanted it, and um, and then I ended up inevitably getting a record deal and leaving that job and changing careers. You know. And yeah, I did have spikes. Uh, the, the whatever you like thing was great. And even though, if you want to call it success or whatever, came to me late in in, in music. Um, I even have a, a weird short period of time where I remember it going to my head. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was a very short period. Let's talk about that. Let's. So, how many <laughs> extravagant purchases? And by the way, I'm not like I wasn't even famous, you know, at any point. But um, I don't I don't think I ever had that. But there were like. There were nine months of my life where I would just remember it was just like, you know, lots of photo shoots, lots of like late night, not lots of late night talk shows, but there was some late night talk shows in there, like some like what? daytime. I think I did Carson Daly. I yeah. did. Was um, it when he was in front of a live audience? Yeah, but I didn't. It was one of these weird ones where he was doing it from a satellite location, so I didn't see him. Mm. So, yes, but I was performing at the Will Turn. Okay, yeah. In LA, and um, they interviewed me backstage or something. But and then there was the Satellite Heart Twilight song, and I was doing like a lot of Twilight stuff, and those fans yeah. are rabid. They are. Yeah. Do you get a lot of stuff from still like people who know sometimes, you from New Moon. Yeah, sometimes they're very loyal. They are. I opened for a few shows for I'm gonna butcher the name Seawolf. I can't oh, believe they it. Are. They yeah. Are so great. and and they have just like. They're like head scratcher. They're like, this is hilarious. We never thought we'd have like 19 year old <laughs> rabid fans, but because they were on the Twilight soundtrack, you know, I think that's the same one you were on. Yes, I think it was New Moon. So yeah. it was just hilarious to watch. And I, but it was so good for me because I play these shows and like they were, they were, you know, they're fans of anything. They just, I mean, not, not to like yeah, put down no, what you guys you do. Get the you know, if you are, yeah, but if you're good and you're, you know, putting something out there that, that responds, which, you know, we've worked years to make sure that that would happen you know something's gonna happen if you get in front of the right people and these they were just like hungry and wanting how many shows you know, did you do with that three. Oh, that's and awesome. it was amazing it was so yeah. good and I, I immediately called my manager and i was like i want to go on like a full tour with them yeah um and yeah but yeah great band it was just at that time it was just uh the singer playing this like he did this like solo acoustic tour uh-huh and it was really cool but it was just amazing <laughs> to see like the you know and I, I wondered about that when I saw you were on New Moon soundtrack I was like I wonder if you get these oh yeah I remember when it first started I got a bunch of haters because I did I hosted this um, MySpace event that was like a red carpet event for Twilight and somehow I had just come off the road I was unprepared my there was some miscommunication between I don't know my management and the people that were running the event I thought I was just gonna be like there greeting people and maybe talking to a couple. Then I found out it was gonna be filmed. Mm-hmm. Then I found out it was gonna be shown before the preview of the movie. Then I found Whoa. out I was gonna have to interview people from Twilight. Then Wait, I found out. Is this out, every call you're learning more information? Yeah, <laughs> was this it was unfolding? actually while I was getting my makeup done in the makeup chair. Oh, they're like, by the way, Anya, you're gonna to talk to Robert Pattinson. Bye. Exactly. Really? And they handed me a binder and they said, there's also this show Glee. Have you heard of it? And I was like, uh, no, I've been on the road for nine months, and they're like, it's a huge show, and you have to, and everyone from Glee is also going to oh, be Oh, I thought on the they were going to say, reference Glee as much as possible <laughs> while talking to Kristen Stewart. I think I interviewed everyone from Glee um, with this guy from MTV who was great. Thank God he was there. Sway? Was it Sway? I think so. No. Was it really? I don't know. That's always my go to because Sway never ages, and he's been there forever. 
And he's been there since like the late nineties when I when it was like no, my heyday. I don't know if it was Sway. He's did he, tall when you, when and you met him, looking. did he say it's your boy Sway? Because that's what he always said. Probably. <laughs> no. Uh, Sway is an African American gentleman and he has dreadlocks and he always wears a giant like bee bonnet. Oh hat. no, it's not him. Okay. It was another cute. It doesn't matter. I just African-American I think Sway is amazing. From MTV. He was very cute. Um, short hair. <laughs> Okay. But he, he, he saved the day because my earpiece broke. So the producers were talking in my ear, but it sounded like, Kristen Stewart. Uh-huh. Don't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just did my best to interview people, which was, you know, not very informed, obviously. So, who, so how did you even end up there? Did they Because t- they were like, let's get this girl who's on the soundtrack and they she find has out you a have radio like broad- background. Yeah, I wondered if they found out. Oh, she's broadcasting experience. It'll be fine. Meanwhile, I've been like all strictly touring on the road as a musician. I'm out of practice. Yeah. I, whatever. I did a fine job, but man, the Twilight fans, they are an army. And I yeah. remember like... My MySpace followers doubled within uh-huh. 24 hours. I had, I think I had had 4,000, and then I had 8,000, and they were, I would say 70% of them hated my guts. They mm-hmm. were like, you were horrible, you were disrespectful to the queen, Kristen Stewart, because I, I, I think instead of asking her like, when her Joan Jett movie was mm-hmm. going to be wrapped, um, I should have said, like, oh, I knew that it wrapped two weeks ago because I'm such a rabid Come fan on. of yours. Yeah, people were like, you don't know anything, she already wrapped I up. love that. I love, <laughs> like, and it's it just, it's not that big of a secret, but whenever, like, Letterman or uh, May He Rest in Peace or uh, Jimmy Fallon or somebody will say, like, you know, like, uh, yeah, I heard that you blah, blah, blah. And, like, you heard from your producer <laughs> ten minutes ago. <laughs> or yeah. you heard because it's written on that card right there. Like, you don't know this information. Yeah. Nobody can, like, watch everything and know everything. It was nerve-wracking. I did interview Rob Pattinson and all of them. Oh, I, I barely that. remember. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, he was adorable. Our Pats? Yeah, of course. And the other one, the werewolf. See, I don't remember. <laughs> the guy who's not famous anymore? Isn't that crazy? Like, he's just Taylor. not a... Yeah, yeah, what happened? He's not a good actor, Anya. It turns out <laughs> <laughs> that you have to be a good actor outside of morphing into a wolf. He did that so well. <laughs> you know what? He did. It turns out that... Working out doesn't equivalent. Oh. Isn't an equivalent to uh, being a good actor. Yeah, he's, you know, and he, he was, was tiny. He was like my height. Yeah, he was short. Yeah, I've heard he's short, and then he has. And I heard this from my producer just handing me a card before oh, the show. Nice. It's the only way that I can kind of unplug, and since I don't drink or do drugs Mm -hmm. anymore, um, that's a really effective way for me to like feel like I'm lost in a way, or I get swept up in something. But entourage is probably not going to be very effective. There are some. It's so funny because I'm a big movie buff too, and I and I have friends who get who think I'm like a snob about it, which I'm not because I will totally watch, you know, some random indie documentary that's on like at the you know the what's it here the IFC yeah or, but then the, you know we have the Belcourt in Nashville so but then I'll also watch like Guardians of the Galaxy like I don't I just want to have a good time me too that was a good one you know yeah I, I like popcorn and I want to watch it yeah I, I totally I don't I'm not a snob like I love lobster but I also eat Skittles or whatever you know it's just like yeah, and Whatever. no one should ever ask me what I think of a movie because I'm just not a great critic. I like them all. Mm-hmm. So you, Are you that? I am. I'm like, it was great. I went. It had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> you I mean, guys, you'll never believe it, but there were credits at the end. There's so many talented people. You're like a mom. You're just like, I just like you made it. I mean, <laughs> I'm not that bad. I'm pretty, I guess I'm sort of discerning, but like I saw a montage of Heck. Mm-hmm. I was blown away by that. I yeah. thought it was incredible. And then a week later, I saw this documentary about Cambodian rock and roll at the IFC. And I was like, it was phenomenal. And then when I really thought about it, I was like, eh, it was okay. It was like a B minus. Well, I always go in wanting it to be amazing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people sort of want like, all right, they cross their arms and they're like, you know, ready to walk out every five minutes. They're like checking in with themselves like, mm, is this good? I'm just like, let it be amazing. Let it be amazing. Because I don't want to spend my time on anything that isn't going to be great. And so a lot of times I will walk out and be like, it was great. It was loud and big. <laughs> there were other people there. Did you like Montage so, of Heck? I'm, I want to talk about this. I don't know what I thought about that movie. I am not of the generation. I'm like right past the point of my brother is like the generation. I have an older brother, and he's yeah. like, he was he had to take a week off school when he died. Like he was so oh, affected. Yeah, by it. it was so, such a big deal. So yeah. I'm sort of on the other, like Foo Fighters were my generation. Like, right. like so whatever Nirvana created, I sort of remembered a little bit. So it wasn't that effective. I think for me, the two takeaways was what an amazingly huge impact he and Nirvana had on culture. Like, like Beatles size. Totally. Like, I don't think that there, maybe Michael Jackson, I don't think anything, I don't know, there's maybe five artists that you can say that they did what they did. Mm -hmm. And then number two, I just felt so bad for him. Mm -hmm. I felt like he just wasn't equipped mentally and maybe stable enough to deal. I feel like he was just a raw nerve and he was just open, taking in everything at once, you know? And it just broke my heart. Like the footage of him with his daughter and he's clearly high and like, Mm -hmm. like so skinny and frail. It's just like, it's heartbreaking. It is. You know, and you know, you know what's coming and it's just very like, it was very tense. Yeah. And loud. Did you know how loud it was? Yeah. I went to see it at the IFC and they had this sign up that said, as you bought your tickets, it said the creators of this movie, or the filmmakers specifically requested that Montage of Heck be played loud, all caps. Oh. And then it's, it said something like, you know, please be aware of this. And right. so when I went in, I was like, oh, shit, they weren't kidding. Like, it's, you're bleedingly loud. Yeah, I watched it on, like, HBO Go, and it was still just yeah. like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, back in the day when you had to... I think that smart sound came with TVs and it was like, oh, it yeah. makes the commercials as loud as the show. Yeah. <laughs> like it was such a big deal. My mom was like, this is heaven. Um, if, if my mom would be so happy if you, you, you could, there was a button you could take curse words out of TV shows too. Cause like super, I grew up in Arkansas, super oh, wow. Southern Baptist conservative family. Uh, Where in Arkansas? Um, do you know Arkansas? You I mean, I've been it? to Little Rock. Okay. But it's about an hour Southwest of there. Okay. It's a town called Arkadelphia. Wow, it's a real that's place. Great. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. I think, but the further like south, closer to they Texas, were just you get. Yeah, they were like, nobody's gonna ever come here, and they just started naming things ridiculous things, and then not knowing what was coming. It was like we heard this town Philadelphia. We'll just name it this. Nobody's ever gonna find out. In 1806, that's what you're like. What's there gonna be some super highway of information that connects people? And they all. I've laughed. just been to that hotel with the ducks, the Peabody. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in Memphis. It Memphis. is? Yeah, it's in Memphis. What? Yeah, 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 it is. It's. I think, I'm pretty sure. I've been there too. Yeah. Oh, how, Memphis bummer. is basically Arkansas, though. Wider. Half of Memphis is in Arkansas. West Memphis. Really? Like, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I just remember hearing that these ducks come down the stairs. Every day. Hotel. Every day. That's And it's adorable. Strange. And you're like, I went there with friends or whatever, and they're like, we want to watch this. And I was like, I'm not going to watch mm-hmm. stupid ducks. Oh my gosh, look. It was just immediately. I, I missed it. I was on tour with Jason Mraz, and I uh-huh. remember... I fell asleep on the bus, and um, I was having a dream, and uh, he knocked on my bunk, because it was the morning, we had pulled up in Little Rock, or wherever we were, or Memphis, I guess, <laughs> and um, he, he just said, Anya, you're going to miss the ducks, and I was like, in my weird frame of mind, I thought he meant, I'm going to miss the band and the crew. Or something. Like calling I them the ducks? Yeah, and I was like, what is he talking about? Because I thought, he, you know, every day whenever the bus would pull up somewhere, somebody would be like, Anya, we're getting out. You know, and mm-hmm. then the whole bus would yeah. unload. And I just remember him saying like, Anya, you're going to miss the ducks. And then I said, am I a duck? <laughs> like, what I meant to say was like, do you mean, <laughs> you by ducks, me do you mean uh, like the band and crew? Like, am I also one of uh-huh. the ducks? Anyway, he wrote a song about that, and the first line in it is, uh, one time I told this girl she was a duck. Or so, anyway. Are you serious? Yeah, you made it into a Jason Mraz song? Yeah, he never published it, but it is oh, a hilarious wow. song. That he well, wrote. What era of Jason Mraz is this? This is this was around the time of that, of that whole Twilight, all that. It was probably okay. 2010. So like the I'm Yours 
that song being everywhere. Yeah. That song took over the world we for a while. We used to sing Lucky together mm. on stage. He used to always bring up whoever he who was. Who is that? Who's Colby Calais? Colby Calais. Yeah. Lucky Yeah. Yeah. That's funny, I have a guitar here. Jason, come on out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is your life. I just bring out everybody yeah. you hey, reference. Hey, <laughs> I'm a duck. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> but yeah, I miss the ducks walking down the, That's the okay. stairs. It it's there sad. for you. They, it's not Anytime. the same ducks. It, and spoiler alert. It, they're always really? babies, so they can't always be the same ducks. Ducks grow up. They're not robots. I didn't know that. So, yeah. You didn't know I the ducks grew up? I need to get back to Nashville. You do? When's the last time you were there? I was there a year and a half ago riding with Jewel, who was in town. Okay. She was living there. She was Wait, Jewel Kilcher? Yes. I'm just kidding. It's the only Jewel. Why <laughs> wouldn't it be another Jewel? Wait till there's another Jewel. I'm sure there will be at some point. I just heard there was another Anya singer, and I was like, What? She must die. <laughs> you felt a disturbance. I was like, is there a new baby duck? That can't <laughs> happen. Um, but yeah, I was writing with Miss Kilcher and Tristan Prettyman. Yeah, I know Tristan. Yeah? Yeah. She's the best. And um, we wrote a few songs together at Jules. And I was thinking, um, I finally get to go to Nashville and experience Nashville because mm. I've been there on tour a bunch of times, but I've never gotten to know it. You always miss the ducks. Yeah. Metaphorically. Yeah, right. We don't have ducks, and, um, but... I w- I've never like fallen in love with Nashville the way everybody that lives there has. Mm-hmm. And uh, this trip did not... I mean, it paid off in songs because we wrote three songs, but we never left our house. We literally did not leave our house for two and a half days or something like that. It was great. So We had amazing food and, yeah. and times and laughs, but I never saw Nashville. I saw the airport and that was it. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. That's the worst part. I mean, I've <laughs> driven through like Vanderbilt. I've gone to sure. some cool vintage clothing stores there. I've played shows, but that's it. I haven't really seen Nashville. Yeah. That's the weird part of the perception of what we do is people, especially family, who like I have a lot of family who just peripherally, they don't really understand what I do, but they're sort of like... So they don't want questions to ask. They're, you know, especially older relatives. So they just assume that we, we travel all the time. They're like, I saw that you were everywhere, you know, and then, but you don't really get to see things. You show up an hour before sound check. Mm-hmm. You grab food if you're lucky, and then you get up there to your job, and then you're exhausted, and you get back in your car or hotel or bus or whatever, and then it's on to the next day. It really isn't like that luxurious unless, maybe if, if you're at a certain tier, it gets to be okay where everybody does everything for you. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the more successful you get, the more people you get to do little by little everything for you. And I was like, man, if I could just figure out a way to get to the point where you just show up and you can go do whatever you want and everybody sets everything up for you. And I don't know. I do kind of enjoy little parts of that, too. I, and I'm finding I'm a little bit more of a control freak than about stuff because I've been doing this from the beginning. And so when I have management, other people come in and like, you know, let me take that off your, your mm-hmm. hands. There's a little bit of like... I don't know if I trust you to yeah. do or whatever. I've been doing this uh, so long alone. You really want to plug my guitar in yourself? <laughs> that, that sounds so silly. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess you give people a heads up of what you what you like, or they know what you want, or like your preferences and all that. Watching uh, Jason tour was pretty cool because he seemed to have a, it wired. You know, he had mm-hmm. a great crew. Everybody was happy. I guess that's the key. On that tour, everybody enjoyed their jobs, and um, yeah, he works really hard at staying kind of like spiritually centered and happy and mm-hmm. I think he's good I think when you're that I mean he's a star you know and yeah he's really good at delegating and you know kind of letting go as part of that I think. yeah like okay I trust you to do the lights I trust you to do the sound I trust you to change my guitar strings yeah you know that makes sense and if they don't do it yeah he kills them off exactly um <laughs> The, this kind of came up with the. I was thinking about this with the John Hamm thing, and you were talking about how you didn't hear anything he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have you found that you are easily starstruck with people, or are you, or at this point, because I find this in Nashville, you'll see people, and then you, the more people you see that you are notable, I should say, not even famous, but notable, like oh, that's what that guy looks like in real life, kind of thing. The more I'm just sort of like, oh, they're just people. Yeah. But there are a few people who show up, and you're like. How am I living a life to where I am in the same room as this person? You know, I don't get starstruck so often, probably because of the radio the career. Early on, we were always interviewing like really big bands when I worked at this station in San Diego because we would go to Coachella every mm. year, or like um, so it was like you know Perry Farrell and 
yeah. and um, like Robert Plant, and so that was just sort of like, oh, okay. I mean, I got starstruck once when I met Frank Black from the Pixies because they mm. were such a huge, you know, deal in my life. Um, at least Doolittle was like one of my favorite albums for sure. Yeah. Um, meeting Liz Fair was a moment for me. It was I have to say that you know she was one of my bigger influences. Yeah. And um, that was I don't think I spoke much when she came into the radio station. I was like hanging out in the corner, just like <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. But um, I get more starstruck around comedians and really bizarre ones. Like the other day, I was at a party and I walked in and there were ten people there just hanging out like eating locks at this brunch and Mm -hmm. then sandra bernhardt was there and i like i was just like oh my god i think we live in the same part of town because i've seen you walking your dogs and i think (laughs) you're amazing and she was like cool yeah (laughs) nice to meet you in true sandra bernhardt fashion she was like oh great honey when (laughs) let let us know when you're playing a show we'll come see you that's fantastic she was great that's awesome yeah it was pretty i was like i couldn't believe yeah. yeah. So, I mean, people like that, that I'm, you know, like if I met Tina Fey or mm-hmm. Julia Louis-Dreyfus um, or Amy Poehler, I'd probably be like, Ooh, yeah. yeah, I think all three of those are on my list of like, well, I don't know. I'm don't know how to stand and or, you know, just like you turn into. Yeah. And John Hamm will always probably make me a little like, I know he was strangely sitting and standing by me for most of that show. And I forgot, like, so I think I was pretty good at playing chill yeah like he i remember i was like i can't believe i've been standing next to john ham for like 15 minutes and i'm not trying to entertain him or talk to him in any way i was just like no be cool Anya. and then he was gone and i was like you blew it do you eternalize do you do you free let yourself freak out inside and on the outside you're actually probably cool as a cucumber yeah or are you like eyes darting around the room like i have the, i think you have this skewed idea in your head when you're around a celebrity that that something you say could actually affect right. your fate in yeah. some way and it's like no it's just 10 minutes of their lives that doesn't mean and anything they, and you have to think in the, in the life of a John Hamm or somebody like that like Tina Fey or something like, they probably meet they have 10 minute interactions with thousands of people a year yeah and they, they don't remember it. Yeah, I tend to be much more starstruck over comics than, yeah. than music people. And it's funny, like, Nikki, you know, my roommate's a comedian. Sure. And she loves music and loves going to music shows. Not all the time, but, you know, it's one of her yeah. favorite things to do. And it's, like, the last thing on my list of me things. Too. I actually, right? I went to a show the other day, or my friend invited me, a musician friend, was like, you want to go see my friends, they're playing at Rockwood, and I, I almost wrote back what I was thinking, which was, why would I ever want to do that? I know. <laughs> which is terrible. But um, you know what I love doing? I love going to see jazz. Like, jazz, oh, interesting. I never get sick of that. That's, I don't know, just, it's I, what I grew up with, and... It's soothing to me, and I, you know, I really like it. I grew up with it too. Do you? So you? I guess I have this thing too, and I have a reason why I don't want to go see bands, or mm-hmm. I just don't care. Or they have to be like a humongous level where I was like, I will go to the Ryman or somewhere in Nashville and see like a massive, like you know, like somebody a bucket list artist, like yeah. a Stevie Wonder or something. But do you? What's the reason? Like, what? What do you? Are you just sort of like? I just don't like that much music. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love wow. so, like okay. I love seeing my friends play. It of really course. warms my heart. Like I love seeing Eric Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. He's a good friend. He's an amazing performer. I love all his songs. I love singing along to stuff like that. But I listen to like five things a year mm-hmm. and just play. Like I love Spoon shows because I love the band Spoon. And yeah. I will listen to their stuff over and over. Um, I love seeing Tristan Prettyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just friends of mine that play. But um, new bands, I'm, I don't know why. I, it's probably because I haven't listened to the record enough. If I was really attached to it, I'd probably enjoy it. But, like, for instance, Wilco. Mm-hmm. I like Wilco a lot. If somebody had tickets to Wilco at Radio City Music Hall, in the front row, I'd probably be like, eh, I guess. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah, but if it was Chris Rock, I'd be like, yes, I am there. Mm-hmm. And then I told that to Nikki, and she's like, wow, that is exactly the opposite. I mean, I feel the same way, but about comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had front row tickets to Chris Rock, or no offense to Chris Rock. No, of course. You know, she sees them all the time. She's like, why would I ever I know. want to go do that? I
I love comedy because I, it's sort of like the cousin to what I do. Mm-hmm. But see, my reason for not wanting to go see music is I'm, I, get, I get jealous really easy that I'm not on stage. I'm like, I want to be on stage. I want to be on stage so bad. Yeah. And we're like, why wasn't I on the show? Like, I want to call my <laughs> manager. Why wasn't I? You know, th- that's my issue. And so it's really, and I'm a bad audience. I'm just a bad, I'm not a good audience at all unless it's my friends and I can enjoy that. Like, I love seeing my friends, like you're saying, yeah. being passionate about something. But with comedy, I don't know how to do that. Right. So it's really fun to watch people be like, how did he just command an audience for 10 minutes? Right. And then, you know, it's like a rock star when whoever it is, you know, and so Are I just don't. Are there any bands you would love to see? Bands that I would love or to see? Artists. Like I can think of one of my, a show I've never seen that I would love to see mm-hmm. is Fiona Apple. Oh. Yeah, I've never gotten to a Fiona. Does she still show. perform? She did a tour like a year ago. Okay. And it was it was just a few dates and I missed it. I was I out think of I, I think I've seen everybody. Mm-hmm. I think really? everybody that would really that's alive. I think I've basically seen There's a lot of like older like the Rolling Stones just came through and stuff and mm-hmm. I I would I would totally go, but it feels like some people I was like, "Well, I'd love to see the Rolling Stones in like 1969." Yeah. You know, which yeah. is awful. You can just go and see them and appreciate the fact that they're it's amazing that they're in their 70s and still killing it. Yeah, I'm jaded. I I guess I just the the truth is though I don't think I'm a huge music fan is the the shameful truth. No, that comes up on this podcast all the time. It's like yeah. I actually I have a, I can't believe I'll people pay to come to shows. Right? Like, like I'm like oh, my fans drive? are people I have nothing in common with. Because I would never go to a show of my own. And I'm always, I always want to chip in for gas when people are like, I drove six hours. I'm like, what? Let me Why? help you. But that's a but lot of people's hobbies. thank God they exist. I mean, we would no, not have careers This podcast them. is made up, of, like the audience is made up of fans of music. And we love you. Thank you. We love Keep you. And we don't it. understand your personality type. No. I know. No, I do. I do it because I do the same thing for comedy. That's yeah. what I do. And, or like movies. You know, I'd go to a... I love going to movie screenings where the director shows up. Like I love Noah Baumbach. And yeah, I me loved too. While we were young. Well, yeah, well, yeah. While Is you're that, young. While we're young. We're, while we're young. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to see it the other night in New York on a whim. And he was there. Who shows up at the end? Freaking Noah Baumbach. Yep. Turns on the microphone. Over did, the he, did he do a Q and A? Yep. I died. Oh. I died. I mean, I enjoyed that more than being front row at the Rolling Stones yeah. in 2004 or whenever it was. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. But I really did. I'm sorry. No, you Nick. don't have to apologize. Sorry. There's a th- but I think that's why, I mean, we've, <clears throat> uh, we've, we've covered it. I'm just going to keep repeating myself at this point. I'm so drunk, you guys. We are wasted on water. I don't want to keep you forever, but I have a few questions I always ask at the end. I'm just looking at your so, garage band, not trying to look talk, at it. To it's, rush it's, you. it's real. This I know, is what you don't get when you plug gorgeous. it in. <laughs> look at those sound files. Mm-hmm. So, ask me anything. Okay, this is a lightning round. The, you don't have to answer it in any sort of fast fashion, but they're non sequitur questions that I ask oh, okay, everybody. Good. So, do you have a surprising musical influence? Um, let me think. Surprising? No, I mean, like Beatles, if people heard your music and, and you were like. Oh yeah, this guy or this band really influenced me. People would be like, "Really?" Wes Anderson. Ooh, that's a good one. Probably. Maybe my favorite answer so far. Because I will, you know, I've watched his movies before and written songs right after them or during them. Yeah, me too. It gets me in a mood. I wrote a song called "A Song for Richie," and it's from the point of view of Margot to Richie because they were, you know, brother and sister but in love because he was adopted. Is she that was right? adopted. She was adopted. That's right. Thank you. Anyway, so it's a love song to him about suicide and not doing it. Is that a song that I can hear? Is I want to record there? it next year. That's I think amazing. I'm going to put it on my next EP. Yeah. I, that, this it's is called like, Please Ask for Help, a song for Richie. And that's I sent incredible. it once to Wes Anderson. 
I never heard back. I love you so much right now. <laughs> you never heard back. Oh, That's weird. the embarrassing No, part. No, it's not. Because he probably heard it. Like, okay, I've had a couple really quick. He's probably like, what is this? Who is I've this? I've written two songs now where the name of the song is a Rushmore reference. Whoa. And sent it to... I don't know if I got it to him, but I I, I, I I did the same thing. That is insane. But I've done that you before You sent also. it to Wes Anderson? Yeah, I found... Oh my God, his, we have like, to high five. I, fin- I sent his like, personal... What do I just stop? I, found it. I know. <laughs> I love him so much, though. He's There's nobody like him. Nobody like him. I did the I same thing. I never want to meet him. I, I don't no, want to be disappointed. No. That's the thing. It's like I have some pretty major... People are always like, who would you love to have on the podcast? I bet Wes Anderson or like they'll name off some big ones and I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I think I'm cool with our relationship. Right. You know, me loving him and him not knowing I exist. It's a great it's a great dynamic. Uh, okay, next question. What do you associate with the name Keith? Moon? You don't sound sure about that. Um because I don't the... even know why I said that because I don't Like if somebody says like He was like, in the Who. Hey, where's Keith? You'd be like, Keith Moon? I don't know. Do you, yeah. have a, do you have a Keith in your life, Anya? Well, Keith Richards, we were just talking about. True. Yeah. Keith and Moon's good. I've never gotten Keith Moon. I've asked this you question. You haven't a lot. on this no. podcast? Usually it's Keith Urban. It's Nashville. Oh. Or Keith, yeah, Keith Richards. Or like Keith, like my youth pastor. Some people, <laughs> I love the personal ones. I was going like, to say my youth pastor, Keith. <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Okay, uh, who's your first celebrity crush? Oh. Other than John Hamm. Kirk Cameron, I'm embarrassed to say. At the time, though. He was so cool and not psychotically um, into Jesus. God. Yeah. Jesus. He wasn't the 13th apostle Yeah. Uh, at the time. Yeah. He was really into the pretty kid diet, which killed it for me because I tried to make one of those bran muffin um, things uh-huh. on the pretty kid diet. He was really into health and the pretty kid diet, which is probably the worst diet. Really? Could, I mean, for taste. It's just like... Here, make these bran muffins with water, bran, and unsweetened yogurt. And, oh. I, and I would, and they were just awful, and they wouldn't rise. And I wonder if people pay him to like support things. Like, hey, it'd be cool if you like jumped on board with this. Because somebody's paying attention. I was so into him. I bought every Tiger Beat magazine that he was on. He I was went to see big. Growing Pains live. Whoa. Yeah. You was, really were invested. I was into it, but I would say before him, I had a woman crush on Alyssa Milano from Who's the Boss. Like I, I bought Teen Steam, her workout video on VHS. Yes. And I would do it. I think you're divulging more information that could be damning on this podcast than on your own. <laughs> I agree. Uh, okay, what do you say during sound check? Thought you were gonna say sex. Um, what do I say during? Get your head out of the gutter. It's so boring. I should have a good one after all these years. I still just go. Check, hey, hey, check one, two. But I heard that a good thing to say is what you ate for breakfast. Like oh, waffles, is it? Waffles, 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 blueberries. Do you have a song that you sing during to test, you know, like that you're like, this is a cool cover that nobody will see coming? Absolutely not. No. No, I should. I always talk about this on, on the show and ask this question, but it, it is an interesting sort of mini performance that you get to give whoever's in the venue. Yeah. You know? Oh, you just so. made me remember one. I do sometimes do Gigantic, and then I never play it live. Wait, what's that? Is that your song? It's the Pixies. I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. Hey, Paul, hey, Paul, hey, Paul, let's have a ball. Okay. Do, hey, Paul, hey, Paul. Do people know what it is when you play it? Gigantic. Um, I think the older ones do, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun to throw an obscure yeah. like, B-side of something, and yeah. Just one woo in the back. I need to learn, like, shake it off or something. That was my most current reference, which is not all that current. (laughs) I know, I know. I I was doing Wrecking Ball for a while. People got over that real quick. But it's it's a fun song to cover. I loved that song. It's a great song. We can't stop. Yeah. That was so sad, those chords. Everybody said it was such a shitty song. It's a great song. It's a great song, song. yeah. Beautiful song. People who like love to shit on Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift songs or those songs, like Miley Cyrus, I was like, there are like people, not so much Taylor Swift, but like Miley's, like, like I am aware, I'm not, no, but like in Nashville, like they're the dudes who wrote those songs and they're good songwriters. Yeah, I would like to party with them. Yeah, and a lot of them are just like 37 year old dudes who wrote Party in the USA. What movie or TV show do you quote most frequently in your everyday life? Oh, golly. I mean, probably, I want to say, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm, maybe? Really? Or Arrested Development. What is it from Curb? He's an alpaca. That's from Arrested Development. <laughs> I, I do the Larry David... Um, Pretty 
pretty, 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 like a oh. lot. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody ever knows what I, it's mostly like, I yeah. I got you. It's mostly like my parents. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, pretty, 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 yeah. Madman's uh, not very quotable, is it? No. He's got that funny, weird secretary. And so he's like, where have you been? She's amazing. <laughs> she's so funny. She was the worst, and then now she's the best. Like, I, I, yeah. I love how that, that switched. I don't know how that happened. Okay, last two questions. Mm-hmm. I always ask, uh, what is your first memory of the internet? Wow. I mean, I remember having eWorld email which on this. Wow, I remember that. that were like a box, like yeah. an off-white box. Um, and I remember like Prodigy.net and like... Like yeah, getting on. that's a pretty good Thanks. prodigy impression. I can also do this noise with my own mouth. Ready? Here we go. I'm ready. <laughs> that, that did I not just do that with my own mouth? No, my you took a horn out of your purse. <laughs> you rode it on a bicycle. A twelve-year-old girl taught me that years ago. Were, were you twelve? <laughs> no, I was nineteen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's amazing. So that's it sounds first... just like a horn. I wish I could do the modem sound better. No, I... I'm going to do like a montage at some point of everybody, because a lot of times that's people's first memory, of every guest who said that and then made the noise, because it's in Oh, the... is it endless? We need to think of a new... My first no, memory no. of the internet was doing porn when I was nine. <laughs> when no, you did it. You know. did porn. Uh, we, okay, last question. I always have to guess wrap up the show, because mm-hmm. I don't want to end on a high note. With uh, to sharing a bad show story. Oh my God! Do you have Valley like of an Tavern, ultimate... Solana Beach, two thousand three? So think about it if you want. <laughs> Don't answer too quickly. Um, I was opening for Steve Pultz. It was probably like nineteen. No, it was probably like two thousand. Hadn't quite my job yet, so like early aughts. Okay. I was opening for Steve Pultz. It was sold out at the Belly Up Tavern, one of these big clubs that you know has eight an 800-person capacity, something mm-hmm. like that, packed to the gills. And it, I'm opening for Steve Poults and the Rugburns. Rugburns are a drinking band, so everybody's wasted. There's a woman in the front row to the right. I walk out. I am so nervous. I'm, like, shaking, but I'm excited. I'm used to playing coffee shops. Yeah. Now I'm playing in front of 800 people, just me and my acoustic guitar. I don't even yet strike my first chord, and the woman to the right in the front row goes... Get off the stage, you slut! And I ignore it and start with my first song. Throughout the song, she said, get off the stage, you slut. Mm, 20, 25 times. No. Yes. At the end of the song, I lost my mind and I said, why don't you get your dumb ass up here and sing with me if you want to be on stage so badly. I don't want to be on stage. I said, you clearly need a lot of attention, so why don't you get on stage? Totally forgetting the fact that nobody can hear this woman shouting at me oh. because there's 800 people yeah. in the place. So I, everyone is just watching me lose my shit on yeah. stage. Then, it's like you're talking to a ghost. <laughs> yeah. She ended up vomiting on herself and getting escorted out. So that was my sweet revenge. That's what we call instant karma. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was pretty good. Yeah, I've had those situations too where I'm t- trying to talk to somebody and they're and I'm like, wait, they're not mic'd. Because people, somebody will yell, we can't hear. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, this is pointless. You're like, should I repeat the comment? Yeah, if you're not going to. saying, uh, get off the stage, you dumb whore. If you're not willing to repeat what they're saying, yeah. She's calling me a dumb slut over and over again. And it's not true. I'm a very smart slut. So anyway. Uh, hey now. Hey now. No, that was me in that scenario. Uh Thank you so much for coming over Thank and doing this. Thank you for having me. This, this is, is uh, a, a total shot in the dark. And I was like, she won't come, but then you showed up. I'm going to so. plug my yeah, I was gonna say, album. because You have a Pledge Music campaign. I do. Did you do one? I did. How'd you like it? Wait, what do you mean do one? Did you ever? Oh, I did a Kickstarter and I just it just oh, ended. Right. Oh, okay. So I, I thought you were asking if I backed your pledge music. I did. You backed my pledge. Of course, oh, yes. Thank you. That's so absolutely. Nice. No, I mean, have you done a pledge music campaign? Before? Not a pledge music. I've done two Kickstarter campaigns oh, and I gained about fifty pounds each time. It's so stress inducing. So stressful. What do you eat when you gain weight? Like, oh, just your... I just gain weight no matter what. If I'm really stressed, <laughs> but water, you don't have like salt. a drug of choice. Um, yeah, carbs. Yeah. Sugar. I, I start. I, like I went like pizza. two and a half years without drinking a soda. I'm back on board with soda. With and it's because of this stupid Kickstarter campaign. And like, 
Because you, for whatever reason, I'm convincing myself that I am, this is my worth, like, in dollar form. And I'm yeah. like, oh, maybe, oh, that's I, really maybe I don't have it anymore. Which is so dumb. Because you, you should look at it the other way. We're like, look at all these amazing people putting their hard-earned dollars into this thing to hear me make more of my noise, you know? You're, it's not noise. No. It's, well, on. you know what I mean. Yeah, it can get very, um, I, I see that, how it could get in your head. Totally. I let yeah. everything, I let it all get in my head. I'm very neurotic. Yeah, well, you're an artist, so yeah, you're, it's, you're yeah. allowed. Right? I'm, I'm very cool on stage, though. I just, <laughs> just want to let you know. On you. No, but it's going well. You have 50% funded Yeah. at the time of this recording. That's right. This will go up next week, though, so people can still get on board. I think board. we're up to 67%, but that's because I lowered my goal. Oh, you can do see Kickstarter you locks you in. I know, I know that that would be so stressful because I wouldn't be able to. I was sort of it. hoping that would kind of whip people into shape and have them pledge more faster. I don't. It, Denmark. It's so hard for someone with my personality type because although I might seem amiable <laughs> and outgoing, I'm very shy and mm. I do not like to ask for help from like in general in life. You know, so this is something that forces you. Does. To extend yourself yeah. and say like, "Hey, I'm here on the planet and I'm doing something, and you might want to like check it out." And uh, that's really tough for somebody with um, shaky self-esteem. Yeah, you know. Oh, you mean artists? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In general. Yeah, and it's amazing how some artists are not struggling with that. Like some artists are just like, "Yes, help me!" Like they're all about it, mm-hmm. and um, that's a different kind of. Do you think deep down type. they're they're falling apart because on yes, the, in the public persona it seemed like until the, I would I didn't divulge any of my fears or stresses until the Kickstarter got funded and then I was like I gotta tell you guys some stuff oh really so now this is for actually the first time because it just got funded last week so this is my first episode of that. thank you um it was amazing it was just like euphoria do you have to shoot end. low because if you don't get your goal then you don't get the money right like yeah if you're under I shot a little bit lower so I did three I'm doing three EPs so over the course of a year and a half, however long it takes to get them out. So the, and I started recording the first one before I had the money. So the first one right. almost is done and is being mixed right now. And I didn't think I was going to, there was a time where I didn't think this Kickstarter was going to work. So I was sitting there being like, okay, so I owe people thousands of dollars. And so I didn't know what it was going to happen, but thankfully, you know, it worked. But like for that, it's three different EPs over the course of, so I, I, I funded enough for allotted for each you know, EP and like, thank goodness the the last one will come out in a year. So I have enough time to like make some money on the road and stuff and put it in if I need to, but I think it's going to be okay. Do you like being on the road? Uh, yes and no. I like it. I like it when it's good. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, there's some tours where you're like, why am I not at home right now with like (laughs) friends that love me? You know, there's that whole yeah, there's some really bad hotels out there too. Where oh, you're yeah. like, God, these sheets are giving me some sort of weird I rash. I, I, I think we should do another hour and you just interview me. We'll just I know swap that it would out. be fun. I would love to. Do that. We just swap out. Uh, but yes, if you're listening and you would like to be part of my pledge music campaign, I'd love to have you on board. It's my fourth album. It's called Paper Plane. Mm-hmm. I'm super pumped about it. I recorded half of it in here in Brooklyn and half in Portland, Oregon. Where oh, nice. I, I have lived for a long time, as well as New York. It's like my second home. Mm-hmm. I worked with this guy, Dave Depper, and uh, Greg Williams, who mixed my last record. And Dave is in Death Cab for Cutie now. Oh, yeah. He's okay. amazing. He's such an amazing musician. And um, Eric Hutchinson, who mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, produced some of the tracks out here. Oh, no way. Yeah. So it's it's my favorite record to date, I must say. it is. So it is, it is made. It and is this made. is to help it get it out. Yes, because I am also in a severe amount of debt. <laughs> like we all are. Yeah, I mean, it's so expensive to make records I now. I know. I was just talking to a, a female singer who shall remain nameless, but she lives in your city and she Cher. is phenomenal. Jewel? <clears throat> she's married to no, a big rock star, and you can figure it out from there. I'm not going to name her, but she's incredible and she's one of my favorites. Her name rhymes with Shramie Grant. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Um, but she was just, we were just trading texts saying, like, what is happening to the, how are we supposed to make ends meet? It's just a whole new world now. And, um, you know, you have to come up with new ideas. And thank God there are these crowdfunding mm-hmm. situations. And there are so many great, amazing, amazing fans of music out there. That what would really, we do if we didn't have it? I, I wouldn't be playing music anymore. I mean, I really wouldn't be able to. I start feeling dread when I know it's time. I got to put out new music. I can just feel the fatigue 
from like the old from me like I'm not enjoying playing these songs I've played them out I need a break from them mm -hmm. I need some new blood but I I feel stressed knowing that I have to like raise funds or figure out a way to max out another credit card or whatever it is yeah and this does alleviate some of the stress once it gets funded uh during the time I'm like oh like there's I'm gonna I want to make a YouTube video if there's not one already that is like the 12 steps of an artist going through a Kickstarter campaign and uh one of them is explaining uh crowdsourcing to older relatives All because right. that was the thing that I had to do multiple times what's um, their biggest confusing um, just the internet in general. Oh, they're like, so I have to get on the... <laughs> How much money is on there if I click it? You're like, like, print it out just... and put it in your pocket. <laughs> Once my Take dad wrote me a letter, mm -hmm. it was a very important letter. Three pages long. It had 17 URLs in it. A letter on paper. I'm like, I, ah, have, to, I have to say, this is a weird thing to say, but this goes back to the I listen to your podcast. Yeah. I love your dad. Oh, thank <laughs> The stories you. that you've told about your dad, I... Love so much. The older I, I get, so the more I'm like, what a sweetheart. Like I'm Dude, we were at a restaurant the other day in Gramercy Park at my friend's, Sarma's raw vegan restaurant. It's called Pure Food and Wine. Delicious mm -hmm. food. My dad, Shout who out. loves meat, was like, can we please go to Pure Food and Wine? He loves it, which is uh -huh. crazy because you can't get the guy to eat anything but meat. But it's that good. And um, Sarma walks by. Hi. Says hi to me. Says uh, to my dad, I know you. And he goes, I've never met you before in my life. And she goes, Oh, I know you from Instagram. I know you're you. I know you wear those weird white socks. Cause I've been yeah. secretly taking pictures of my dad's socks for oh, years. Oh no! He didn't she know. You. Yeah, and he was like, What is she talking about? She walked away. He was polite to her, and then he goes, what the fuck was she talking about? And I go, I've been taking pictures of your dirty, dirty tube socks for years. It's like, and I go, and I created a hashtag, pop socks. And he's like, I don't even know what that means, but you're insane. <laughs> so yeah, he's famous on multiple social That's media platforms. He seems like a guy who would be on board with it, though. Like, all right. He's into it. Yeah, he's a yeah. musician, too. Oh, really? Yeah, he plays trumpet. Well, my dad plays trombone. What? Why are we the same person? Oh my god, we are exactly Wes Anderson the and our brass playing fathers. <laughs> yeah, we learned a lot about one another today. I know. Well, thank you so much. Thank I'm gonna put the link to the pledge music on on the site and everything, so people will get on board. And then you're gonna print it out on a piece of paper and send it to and my dad. <laughs> thank you. And that does it for episode 82. If you'd like to check out Anya's pledge music campaign, and please do, you can do so by visiting anyamarina.com. Plus, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at anyamarina. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram as well at whowritespod to see some behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, plus, facebook.com slash whowritesthisstuff. Thank you so much for listening for episode 82 in Who Writes This Stuff. I'm Nick Flora. Now go do something creative. Music.